Well, today uh, we're going to continue our little series entitled Small Faith, and I'd shared with you last Sunday we were going to wrap it up uh, this week, but to be honest with you, as I was studying and continuing to pray, God just kept unpackaging some amazing things, and so we're going to at least go one more week after today and continue to talk about small faith and what that really means, and so I've got my little mustard packet, and like I said uh, a couple weeks ago, I'm, I'm really enjoying preaching with this, so I don't know if I can preach without it anymore, it's really been fun, but uh, we're glad that you're here. And a few weeks ago, we put a mustard pack in everybody's hand because we wanted to just give you a very tangible, touchable reminder that you already have everything that you need to live the life God has called you to live. You already have everything that you need to live the life God has called you to live. And if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, then the Bible says you are complete in Christ, lacking nothing. You have been grafted into the family of God. You have been adopted into God's family. You are now an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You're the head and you're not the tail. You're the top and you're not the bottom. You're the first and you're not the last. The Bible says you're seated together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus and that God has given you exceedingly abundantly above all things that you could ever ask or imagine according to the power of the Holy Spirit that works and lives on the inside of you. So you already have, amen, everything that you need to live the life that God has called you to live. So let's look at that first point. We said that small faith is really about a shift. We've got to shift our thinking and we've got to move from being disqualified to being qualified because small faith qualifies us to live the life that God has for us. Matthew chapter 17, verse 19 and 20 have been our foundational scriptures. The scripture says, and the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Talking about the boy who, had the, who was possessed by the demon. And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, literally unbelief means no faith. Because of your unbelief, because you had no faith, zero faith, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Y'all say that last part with me. And nothing will be impossible for you. So look at that next point. So Jesus didn't say we needed big faith. He didn't say we needed more faith. He just simply said we need small faith. All we need is a mustard seed of faith. And the realization is, as we begin to shift our thinking and recognize, I don't need more faith, I don't need a stronger faith, I don't need a bigger faith, I just need to use the faith that I've got, because if I've got enough faith to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then I've got enough faith to move every mountain and to do the impossible, because my God is a big God, amen? It is, it is, it is about having a small faith in a big God that changes the world that we live in, amen? It's not big faith, small God. It is small faith, big God that makes the difference. Anybody with me this morning? Come on, let me hear you out there. All right. So we also recognize that God has never asked us to do the impossible, but he does ask us to believe that the impossible is possible. And we looked at Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith, and we looked at all kind of different people that according to scripture, supernatural things happened in their life. And the one thing we recognize is not one of them did anything that was impossible. God never asked us to do the impossible. When you read your Bible, you're going to find out that God never asked anybody in the Bible to do the impossible. God asked them to do what is 100% possible, and he asked them to believe that God can do the impossible. So it's not about you doing impossible things. It's simply about you and me believing that God can. Amen? 
All we have to do is believe that God can do the impossible. I don't have to do the impossible. I just have to believe that God can do the impossible and he can do what I can't do. So, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. We said that faith expects the good, that's hope, Faith expects the good that God has promised and faith sees what God says as a reality. And so we said the way that I know whether we're in faith or whether we're in fear, how do I know the difference? I know I'm in faith when I expect good things to happen and I know I'm in fear when I expect bad things to happen. I know I'm in faith when I expect good things to happen and I know I'm in fear when I expect bad things to happen. I know I'm in faith when I see the promise of God as a reality, and I know I'm in fear when all I can see is the problem. When all you can see is the problem, you're in fear. When all you can see is how hard it is and how difficult it is and how challenging it is and how nothing's ever going to change and nothing's ever going to work out for you and nothing's ever going to turn different for us, if all you can see is the problem, you're in fear. But when you move to a place of faith, all of a sudden you begin to see the promise of God as a reality. You see yourself healed. You see yourself blessed. You see your family restored. You see the promises of God made a reality in your life. Why? Because faith sees and faith expects the good that God has promised. Look at that next point. We're going to kind of get to a new place today. So you don't have to do the impossible. You just have to believe that God can. Now look at this next part on this statement. So small faith, small faith removes you from the equation. Small faith removes you and it removes me from the equation and places the weight, all of the weight upon God. Small faith removes us from the equation. See, if I'm going to walk in faith, guess what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to remove myself from the equation because if I interpret the promises of God through my abilities, I'm going to disqualify myself. If I interpret or if I filter God's promises through my abilities, I'm going to disqualify myself because I know how weak I am. <laughs> I know what I can't do and how I can't do that and how I don't know that and how I don't, I've never done there. I've never been there and I've never done that. And the realization is this. If you interpret, if you filter the promise of God through your ability, you're going to constantly move from faith to fear. So we have to learn how to filter the promise of God, not through our abilities, but through the sufficiency of his grace. How many know God's grace is sufficient? How many know his power is sufficient? How many know his blood is sufficient? His name is sufficient. His word is sufficient. And so I've got to begin to look at the promise of God, not through my ability, but through the sufficiency of his grace that has been given to me, because it's only when I do that can I stay in a place of faith that trusts and believes in God. Faith focuses on who has made the promise, and fear focuses on how we're going to do it. Let me just be really honest with you. The times in my life that I have wavered in faith, and maybe you can identify with this. Have you ever been in a place where you're like, I believe, I believe, I believe, and then the next day you're like, oh, I don't know, is this really going to happen? <laughs> you ever been there, done that? I've been there, done that. I'm going to raise both hands. And this is what I know. Every time, every time I waver in faith, I begin to assess the promise of God by my ability. And I start asking this question, how? Well, God, how am I going to do that? 
God, I don't have the education. I don't have the connections. I don't have the money. I don't know the people. God, how? And I start asking God how I'm going to do the thing that he promised me to do. And when you're in fear, you ask how. When you're in faith, you don't ask how. Guess what you ask? When you're in faith, you ask who made the promise. Do you remember Abraham? The Bible says that Abraham hoped against hope because he counted God who made the promise faithful who had promised him. The realization is simply this. Small faith removes me from the equation. It removes me out of the equation. It's no longer about how I'm going to do what God has called me to do. It's about who made the promise because the one who made the promise is the one that's going to fulfill his word. I love what the Old Testament says. God said, I spoke it with my mouth, I'll fulfill it with my hand. Whatever I say, I'll do. He watches over his word to perform it. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Why? Because what God says, God does. Amen? And all of a sudden, I begin to come to a place that small faith is really about removing me. I've got to remove myself from the equation. I can no longer, the Bible says of Abraham that he did not consider the deadness of his own body nor the deadness of Sarah's wound, nor the age of his own body. He did not consider himself, why? Because he knew small faith means I gotta remove me from the equation. If the promise of God and the sufficiency of God is all wrapped up in God, then it doesn't have to have anything to do with me. So I don't have to know how, I just gotta know who made the promise. See, I didn't promise to save me, God did. I didn't promise to redeem me. I didn't promise to heal me. I didn't promise to bless me. God made all those promises, amen? And his promises are true. And so faith, small faith, says I gotta remove me out of the equation. I've gotta stop filtering his promise through my ability and start looking at the sufficiency of God that is available to me. The same God that said, let there be light is the same God that spoke his word to your heart. He's the same God that's promised your healing, your deliverance, your restoration. He's the same God that's promised that your family would be redeemed, restored, and made whole. Amen. He's the same God. So look at this scripture. Mark chapter 11. What a great scripture. It says, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, speaking of Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And Jesus answered and said to them, what did he say? Have faith in God. Y'all say it with me. Have faith in God. Don't have faith in yourself. Don't have faith in your money. Don't have faith in your talents. Don't have faith in your business. Don't have faith in your connections. Don't have faith in your charisma. Don't have faith in your gifts. Don't even have faith in your anointing. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Remove yourself from the equation. Jesus said, if you want to do the impossible, it's really simple. Have faith in God. If you want to see miracles, it's really simple. Have faith in God. If you want to walk on water, Peter, it's really simple. Just have faith in God. Do you realize when Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on the water, you know what he had? He had one word from God. He said, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. And Jesus said, come. Literally a four-letter word. C-O-M-E, come. And Peter stepped out of the boat in faith on the word of God. Why? Because all he needed was to look at Jesus. All he needed was to have faith in God. And the moment that he saw the winds and the waves that they were boisterous, he became afraid. 
because he began to filter, hear me, he began to filter the impossible through his ability. And all of a sudden, Peter thought, I can't walk on water. And the moment he thought, how am I doing this? Instead of who called me to do it. How will keep you in fear? Who will move you to faith? They that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith comes to God because faith is about the who, not the how. If you know who made the promise and you're willing to put your faith in him, God will handle the how. Well, Peter, how'd you walk on water? I don't know. I just said, I just, I just obeyed God. I just stepped out in faith. So faith removes us from the equation and places the weight upon God. Look at verse 23, great scripture. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. Y'all say that with me. He will have whatever he says. And you know what? Everybody in this room knows that statement is true. Jesus said, if you believe what you say, hear me, if you believe what you say, you'll have whatever you say. If you believe what you say, you'll have whatever you say. And we know that is true, and this is how we know it's true. Because Jesus did not say, if you believe the good things and then say the good things, you'll have the good things. No, Jesus said, whatever you believe and whatever you say that you believe, you're going to have what you say. How many times have we said or have we heard someone say, I told you so. I told you nothing ever works out for me. I told you I was going to lose my job. I told you everybody in our family has heart disease. And I told you I was going to get heart disease. And here you go. I got heart disease. Oh, yeah, I'm valid. I told you everybody in our family gets divorced. I told you we can never be happy. I told you my kids could never serve God. I told you I can never get out of debt. I told you, I told you, I told you. How many times did I tell you? And you know what? They're absolutely right. They did tell us, didn't they? They told us they were going to lose their job. They lost it. They told us they were going to get sick, and they got sick. They told us they were going to be broke, and they were broke. They told us, you know why? Because whatever you say that you believe, you receive. The problem, hear me, the problem is that we are more quickly to believe the lie of the enemy than we are to believe the promise of God. Me, we more quickly believe the lie that we're going to be broke, busting, and disgusting, and nothing's ever going to change, and nothing's ever going to work out for me, and it's just not in the cards for me, and everybody else gets blessed, but somehow I'm still left on the outside, and everybody else has this, and everybody else gets this, and everybody else gets to do that, but here I am over here. I'm God. I'm doing all I know to do, but I'm still, nothing's happening for me. That's because whatever you believe and say, you get. Nothing's happening for me, God. And God is in heaven grieved. Because you're saying exactly the opposite of what he has promised your life. Look at this next point. I want you to see this. I'm going to read you one more scripture. Let's finish reading. I'm sorry. Some good stuff right here. God's word's so good. Jesus said, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, 
Believe that you receive them and you will have them. Whatever you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me back you up just a little bit. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. For with the heart man believes in the righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then the apostle Paul says this. He says, and how can they believe in him, in him whom they have not heard. How can they believe if they've never heard? And then he says, and how can they hear without a preacher? And then he says, how good and how beautiful are the feet of those who preach and bring good tidings of great joy. And then he comes to Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Look at that next point on your outline. I want you to see this. Faith comes by hearing and faith is released by speaking. Faith comes by hearing, and faith is released by speaking. Faith comes by hearing what? Hearing the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. When you hear what God says, it builds faith. When you hear what God says, it releases faith. When you hear what God says, it builds you up in your most holy faith to believe Him and trust Him. I overheard a conversation by a couple men in our church, or I was, I was kind of cued in on a conversation they had, and, and this one gentleman, he said he, he'd been watching the news and, and paying attention to all the things that were going on in our world, and he said, finally, he said, he said, Lord, he said, who do we listen to? Because this, this channel says this, and this channel says this, this person says this, and this person says this, this news feed says this, this news feed says this, social media says this, Instagram says this, Twitter says this. Lord, who do we listen to? And he said immediately, the Holy Spirit said, listen to me. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Fear comes by hearing the report of the world. See, what has happened is we have allowed fact to override truth. We've allowed fact to override truth. We've put more confidence in the facts of reality. And how many know the facts change every day? Every day, they're changing their story. Every day, they're enhancing their story. Every day, what was true yesterday may not be true today. The facts have changed, but the truth stays the same. Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Faith and fear both come by hearing. Now, that's important because I don't believe we need to stick our head in the sand and be like ostriches and ignore everything that's going on around us. I believe we need to be informed, but if we're not careful, we'll be influenced by the report of the world. And I have found out, and this is just me, I found out about 30 minutes worth of news a day is all I need to know all the crazy that's going on in our world. Because after 30 minutes, all you just hear is the same old thing regurgitated and respun and represented through this opinion and that opinion and this poll and this poll and this idea and this idea. And all of a sudden, you got all this bombardment of the report of the world. And if you're not careful, you'll live in fear. As a matter of fact, the most negative people that you know are fearful people. We say they're negative, right? Man, I can't, I can't handle, handle being around them. They're just so negative. They're just so negative. Let me tell you why they're negative. They're afraid. They're full of fear. 
They're full of fear and they're afraid of tomorrow. They're afraid of today. They're afraid of what might happen. They're afraid of what may not happen. And they live constantly in fear. And if you will pay attention to the most miserable, negative, fearful people you know, their ears are attuned to the report of the world and they are not hearing the word of God. Years ago, I made a decision. I don't do this every day, but I try to do it most days of my life. Before I speak to another human being, I sit at the feet of Jesus because I'm, I recognized something years ago. I recognize that before I speak to people, I need to hear from God. I need to hear from God. Before I do a text message, before I return an email, before I scroll through social media, I need to hear from God. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. God's word releases faith. So faith comes by hearing, and then faith is released by speaking. Jesus said, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, it will be done. Faith, hear me, Faith is not released by believing. Faith is released by speaking. We believe in our hearts, the Bible says, but we have to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Every person in this room that got saved got saved through a spiritual process. Right? You heard. Somewhere you heard the gospel. You heard the gospel of salvation. You heard the good news that Jesus says. Maybe it was a track on a park bench. Maybe it was a preacher in a church. Maybe, maybe it was an encounter that you just had with God. But you heard the voice of the Lord and you believed. Somewhere along the line, you decided, I'm not going to reject this truth. I'm going to receive this truth. And you believed the word of the Lord. And when you believed it, guess what happened? You began to speak it. And it might have even been gradual. It might have been something like this. You heard, you believed, and then you started saying, man, there, there may be something to this Bible. Man, there may be something to church. You know, I've been thinking about it. Maybe I, maybe I need to be going to church. And before you know it, you go from, there may be something to the Bible, there may be something about church, where you're going, Jesus is Lord of my life. I've been born again, and I've been saved. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, and when you hear, you believe, and when you believe, you speak, and once you speak it, you receive it. You don't release faith by believing, you release faith by speaking. Whoever says to the mountain, Whoever says to the mountain. Let me, let me give you a thought right here for a second. If you've been at liberty any amount of time, you know we believe in speaking the word of God. We teach what we call godly beliefs and the power of confession, and you need to be speaking and declaring the word of God. Just about every day in my quiet time, I am declaring the word of God. I try every day to take three truths from scripture that God declares who I am. And I just declare it over me. I'm blessed, I'm healed, I'm anointed, I'm gifted, I'm called, I'm compassionate, I'm kind, I'm caring. I am, I just, I mean, when you start reading the Bible, you start finding out you got a lot of good stuff God's spoken over you. I'm the head, not the tail, top, not the bottom, first, not the last. Whatever my hands do will prosper and I'll have good success. Get out of my way, devil, because I'm coming through. I'm a, I am a overcomer through Christ. And every day I try to speak three things over my life. Why? Because death and life is the power of the tongue, and I release my faith with my words. But every now and then, not every now and then, a lot of times, let me just say it like this. Over the years of ministry that Kelly and I have been preaching this, one of the things we've recognized is every now and then, 
I'm going to change that because that's not true. A lot of times we'll have people come to us and they'll say, Pastor Keith, I just can't, I just can't confess that stuff because I don't feel like it's true. I actually feel like I'm lying. I can't confess that I'm healed when I'm still sick. And I can't confess when I'm blessed when I'm still broke. And I can't confess when I've got a good marriage when we're fighting and fussing every single day. And they say, Pastor Keith, I just, I just can't confess that because I don't feel like it's true. And the Holy Spirit very quickly said to my heart this week, he said, Keith, he said, that little statement, I can't confess it because I don't believe it's true, is a lie. Because how many of you know that if you're confessing the Bible, Jesus said, my word is true. Sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is truth. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are truth. Anytime you're speaking the word, guess what you're speaking? You're speaking truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the word of God is truth. Put around you the belt of truth and take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God's word is true. And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, Keith, he said, when people resist confessing the word over their life, it's not because they don't believe it's true. It's not because it's not true. It's because they don't believe it's true for them. The word of God is true. Well, Pastor Keith, it just seems weird. I remember, man, Kelly and I, we've talked about this a lot. I remember when we kind of grabbed hold of this thing called faith and the power of confession I'm just going to be honest with you. When we first started confessing the word over our lives, it was weird. You look yourself in the mirror and say, you're blessed and you're healed and you're anointed and you're called. And you're like, God, this is really weird. But it's true. And the reason that people don't want to confess the word is not because it's not true. It's because they don't believe it's true for them. And so we have to refuse. We have to refuse to consult our feelings when it comes to walking in faith and honoring the truth of God that has been spoken over our lives. Amen? Look at that last point. Faith comes by hearing. Faith is released by speaking. When you say what God says, you release faith. So look with me in Hebrews, or excuse me, not Hebrews, Luke chapter 1. The story of the Virgin Mary and her visitation from the angel of the Lord. The Bible says this, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Now look at verse 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, listen to this, she was troubled, not at his sight, but at his what? She was troubled at his saying. Now think about that for a second. I can understand she'd be freaked out by the fact there's an angel here. She saw the angel, she got over that, but then the angel said, Mary, you are blessed and highly favored among all women. And the Bible says she was troubled. By what he said. You know what that proves? That proves that we are more quick to believe the lies of the enemy 
then we are to receive the blessing of God. She was troubled by the fact, not that he cursed her. I mean, if he'd have showed up and said, Mary, you're cursed, and God's going to judge you, and God's going to break you, and God's going to destroy you, I can understand. I'd be troubled by that. But he said, Mary, you're highly favored and blessed among all women. And she was like, oh my gosh, that can't be right. That can't be true. Oh, that, that bothers me. How, why would you even say that? Because, you know, I'm just a little old girl from Nazareth, and I'm a nobody, and I'm not really special. And, you know, it's not even right for you to be saying things like that about me. I can't tell you how many times that I have seen, as Kelly and I have ministered to people, how many times I have seen people allow their insecurities and their emotional identity to disqualify them from the blessing of God. I've seen it so many times. We'll be praying over people and speaking truth over people and I can look in their eyes and I can, it's almost like I can hear their thoughts and I can hear them say, oh, Pastor Keith, that, that, that's not true for me. That won't work for me. You don't really know me. I can see it in their eyes and I can literally hear their thoughts in my own head as we minister to them, as they reject the word of God. They're troubled. They're troubled. If you were to look at them and say, you're cursed and God's disappointed with you, you know what most people would say? Oh, I know it is so true. I felt him so bad. That's what most Christians would do. If you said, man, you're under a curse and God's really disappointed with you, most Christians would agree with you like that. I know it. I'm so sorry. I'm just so pitiful. I felt him. I felt him. But you look at those same Christians and you say, you're blessed and highly favored the Lord. And God delights in you and rejoices over you. And he's going to do supernatural, mighty things through your life. They're like, oh my, I, I don't know. You see how far we are removed from just a place of small faith. How the devil wants to deceive us into believing the lies and the curses of the enemy instead of receiving the favor and the promise of God. I want to encourage you today. Stop pushing back from God's blessing and start drawing into it. Start drawing in to the blessing of God. Stop pushing back on it and start drawing in to the blessing of God. Now look at the rest of the scripture. And when he saw, and when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus and he will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, how? Fear says, how? How can that be? I'm a virgin. How can that happen? I don't have an education. How can that be? I've never owned a business. How can that be that I'm going to be married and have a wonderful family? I ain't even went on a date in the last 20 years, God. How? How am I going to be the first person to go to college? Nobody in our families ever went to college. How am I going to be happily married when I got a lineage of everybody in my family has been divorced? God, how's that ever going to happen to me? Fear says how. How, how, how can that happen? Faith says who's making the promise? Because whoever makes the promise has the responsibility of fulfilling it. 
I used to have to be really careful with my words because if I ever told my kids I was going to do something, they'd say, well, Daddy, you said. I'm hooked. I'm done. If I said it, guess what? I'm going to do it. And I'm a man. God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If God said it, guess what? He's going to do it. If God said it, he's going to do it. Mary said, Lord, how? How can this be? Because I don't know a man. And the angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived, in her, conceived a son in her old age and is now in the sixth month for her who was called barren. Look at verse 37. For with God nothing will be impossible. And I put in parentheses the word spoken. For with God nothing spoken will be impossible. And the reason I put that in there is because in the original Greek, that's how it reads. I was studying Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and the word there for word of God is rhema. It's a quickened, spoken word of God. It's that spoken word that God speaks to his children. And as I was looking at that scripture, I started looking at other scriptures that had the word rhema in it, and all of a sudden I found Luke 137, and it said rhema. I'm like, that word is not in that verse. For with God, nothing is impossible. There's nothing in that verse that refers to a word from God. And when I went and looked in the original Greek, it literally says, for with God, nothing spoken will be impossible. Nothing spoken. Why? Because faith is released with our words. Nothing spoken. And when the angel spoke over Mary, he said, Mary, nothing spoken is impossible with God. And then Mary said, look at verse 38. Then Mary said, then Mary said, she opened her mouth. Then Mary said, behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Y'all say that with me. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Look at that last point. Mary didn't do the impossible. She believed the impossible because small faith just simply agrees with God. That's what it does. Faith just agrees with God. Let it be according, let it be to me according to your word. Just let it be. God, I believe. She didn't do the impossible. She believed the impossible. Think about it for just a second. When Mary walked away from that conversation, Yes, she had this angelic visitation, but really, when she walked away, all she really had was a word from God. She didn't have a pregnancy test that said, Mary, you're pregnant. She didn't have a little bump in her belly that said, Mary, you're pregnant. She didn't have a sonogram that said, Mary, you're pregnant. As a matter of fact, she didn't even have a husband that she was having sex with to say, Mary, you're pregnant, because she was a virgin, and she was a virgin when she gave birth to her firstborn son. There was nothing in the natural that would even conceive the idea that she would be pregnant. So what did Mary have? She had a word from God. She had faith in the promise of God. That's all she had. She didn't do the impossible. She didn't go say, hey, Joseph, God said we're going to have a baby, so we got to have sex. No, she said, hey, Joseph, God said we're going to have a baby, so you can't touch me. That's what she said, you can't touch me. And just so Joseph got the clue, God sent an angel to him too and said, don't touch her. 
Think about that. We're going to have a baby, so we're not going to have sex. God said we're going to have a baby, so we're not going to have sex. God said we're going to have a baby, so we're not going to have sex. God said we're going to have a baby, so we're not going to have sex. Small faith. Mary didn't do the impossible. She just believed it. She just believed that the one who promised could do everything that he said. She didn't have to know how. She just had to know who was going to do what he said he was going to do. And he did. Psalms 107, I'm going to close with two scriptures. It says, they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distress. He sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. When they were in trouble, when they were in pain, when they were in oppression, when they were in sickness, when they were in disease, when they were under the yoke of bondage, what did God give them to deliver them? He gave them a word. Why did he give them a word? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All Mary had was a word. All Mary needed was a word. All she had and all she needed was a word from God. Because if you believe with small faith God's word, that's enough. The key to victory is faith. You gotta believe that you've been set free. You gotta believe that you've been healed. You gotta believe that you've been delivered. You gotta believe that everything God said he's gonna do. And I had this thought. Imagine if Jesus just supernaturally appeared right here. And everybody in the room knew it was Jesus. And then imagine if Jesus, as he appeared right here, looked out there and called you by name and said, be healed, be delivered, be blessed, be restored. Man, you know what? We'd all be like, whoo, man, I got a word from God. I don't know if he's going to do that. He might be pretty cool if he did. But you know what the Holy Spirit reminded me of this morning? Do you remember the story where the man dies and he's in hell? The rich man? And he says, please go and tell my brothers. Please go and tell my brothers and warn them about this awful place. And you know what? You know what the scripture says? Jesus said, they have the law and the prophets. And even if one were to rise from the dead, they still wouldn't believe. You know what Jesus said? You don't need a sign. You just need a word. You don't need a sign. You don't need Jesus to show up. You don't need a supernatural angelic visitation. You just need a word from God. And 2 Corinthians says that all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen to the glory of God the Father through us. All you need is a word. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. I, I want to do this as we close. I want you just to bow your heads for a moment. Maybe you're here this morning and you recognize, Pastor Keith, maybe I've heard and maybe I've kind of believed, but I've never really confessed Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And I want to do that today. I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And today I want to confess Him as my Lord and Savior and receive the gift of eternal life. 
If that's you right now, you've never done that, but today you want to do that, I want you just real simple, just slip your hand up all over this building. Just a simple act of faith. If you're watching online, there's a little button there. You can click on that that says, today I want to know Christ. We're going to pray together in just a minute. But if that's you, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Today I want to confess Jesus is Lord. The second thing I want to do is maybe you're here this morning. I realize most of us in this room are probably Christians and many of you watching online are already followers of Christ. So this is what I want to do. You don't need a supernatural visitation. All you need is a word from God. And I'm convinced of this. Many of you in this room already have had so many words from God spoken over your life. If you're willing to do what Mary did, you know what Mary did? It was really simple. She just agreed with God. Let it be to me according to your word. If that's your prayer today and you know the promises that God has spoken over your life, maybe it's for a family member, maybe it's for physical healing, maybe it's restoration, maybe it's for your business, maybe it's for the ministry. I don't know what it's for, but you know God's spoken specific words over you and those promises that have not yet been fulfilled, you want to agree with God this morning. If that's you, I want you just to stand to your faith right now. Just a simple act of faith that says today, God, I'm agreeing with you. Let it be to me, God. Let it be to me, God, according to your word. Let it be to me, God, according to your word. So, Father, today we agree together, each and every person standing. We stand in faith today. God, we don't know how, but we know who. (laughs) And, God, we believe, as Abraham did, that you who promised are faithful. So, Lord, today we stand in faith, believing that the impossible is possible because of you. And Lord, we commit our hope and our faith and our expectation to you this morning. We lay all the weight on you. We remove ourselves from the equation. And we confess today that your grace is sufficient. And that you are able to do everything that you promised us. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, we pray. Amen.